So maybe a first question would be, give us a state of just your tribe. Madison has just been designated in December, Truax Field, as the home of F-35A. Doctor, can you start? Give us an overview. I'm Steve Walters, and I want to thank Wisconsin Eye for letting me come out of retirement to work on a few important issues. And yesterday's new agreement between the state of Wisconsin and Foxconn is indeed one of those very important issues. So I also want to thank Missy Hughes, CEO of the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, for this newsmaker's interview on a brand new deal. Ms. Missy, welcome back to Wisconsin Eye. Thanks, Steve. Welcome back to Wisconsin Eye. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, overview question. Why is this new amended contract a much better deal for Wisconsin taxpayers, Southeast Wisconsin, and Foxconn, please. Well, what we're really seeing is a contract that's right-sized to the project. So where the previous contract had a potential for $2.85 billion worth of tax liability for the state, we're now at $2.77 saved for the Wisconsin taxpayers, but at the same time, we've got $80 million worth of incentives for Foxconn to encourage them to keep growing and to create jobs. Well, when you took this job and got briefed on the original Foxconn, Foxconn deal, did you quickly realize it was too generous and unrealistic and not achievable, Missy? Well, the first thing I did was um, endeavor to learn as much as I could about Foxconn to understand what they were interested in doing in Wisconsin and what was going to work for them. And so what I quickly realized based on their comments and what they had said publicly and what they were saying to me was that they were not going to be building this massive factory that had been contemplated. And so the goal was to then say, okay, so what are you going to be doing and how can we support you? How can we be your partner? It was always my intention to find the solution where uh, Foxconn would succeed, we could be partners with Foxconn, and we could find a path forward. How did you dial down the animus? Because it was a very divisive issue in the 2018 election. So how did you dial down the, uh, the, the vents on, on both sides, the anger? Well, my goal was to bring respect to the conversation. And um, I respect Foxconn very much learning about what they do. They're a massive, massive corporation, $178 billion corporation, global operations. So, you know, I respect a, a company that's been able to build like that. And I wanted to understand, um, you know, how we could work together. I appreciate that. Um, let's go to some uh, a graphic that pr was provided the, by the governor's office to talk about the 80 million. But the first thing I want to ask you is that language in the new contract um, I'm going to use the term pretty vague. You can correct me because it says that Foxconn, to reach some incentives, must only build a high-tech manufacturing ecosystem. Um, what's going to be built there? Well, so what's really important to remember, Steve, is when we enter into uh, contracts and agreements with our companies for enterprise zones, like what we have with Foxconn, we don't dictate what they're going to be making. We talk about how much are you going to invest, how many jobs are you going to create. The old contract with Foxconn 
dictated what they were going to be making. They were going to be making these large uh, LCD screens. And so as we enter into a new contract, it's critical that Foxconn has flexibility to meet the marketplace, to um, you know be the manufacturer that they're so good at being. So what they're making right now, what I've been able to see are um, servers. They're putting in assembly lines to be able to do high-tech servers. But they're also considering other types of manufacturing. And what Foxconn is really good at is making things for other people. So they're looking around the marketplace and saying, look, we've got this great facility in southeast Wisconsin. We want to build things for you. What can we work on? Well, let's talk about uh, I have to put on my reading glasses after my cataract surgery. And yes, that's a sign of getting old. But page two of the amended contract refers to uh, electric vehicles, digital health. AI robotics, semiconductor, and 5G technology. So, uh, as you said, you're not imposing on them. We're, uh, the state of Wisconsin is no longer saying we will only give you incentives if you build a specific. So, um, the state is giving them a pretty wide field of play in terms of what future incentives might, might, might be based on, Missy? Yeah, and the way that we do that is um, for the jobs that they're creating, there's particular codes. And so where they create the jobs that match those codes, um, we'll be able to provide them with tax credits. So it, it's a super detailed um, type of coding system for different types of manufacturing. Um, but we've worked that out with Foxconn and we're ready to give them job credits when they create those jobs. Okay, as CEO, you're very happy with this amended contract, right? I'm happy that we've found a solution. I'm happy that um, we are no longer in the animus that you referred to and that we're able to move on a path forward that um, not only gives Foxconn a solution, but it allows WEDC you know, to do what I've wanted to do, which is to pivot, to talk about small business, to talk about the economic recovery. We have a ton of work to do. And so only talking about Foxconn, as happy as I am to talk about it today, um, is not what I want to be doing. I want to be talking about all of Wisconsin's economy. And I promise you at the end of the interview, we're going to be talking about statewide economic development. We're going to get there. But now, okay, now let's go to the graphic, or the, I'm sorry, the chart provided by the governor's office, breaking down the 80 million. First of all, 20.3 million if Foxconn hires 1,454 qualified workers, earning an average yearly salary of 53,875. Um, when I go through this contract, and I did so quickly, it looks to me, uh, I think I'm referring to like um, page six, they could get 20, uh, 29 million of this in uh, for hiring in 2020, correct? That's right. And who will be the referee of that? How will that be determined? Um, so once again, WEDC is the referee, as you say, of the contract. And you'll recall that in October of 2020, um, we told Foxconn that they had not qualified for credits under the old agreement. So we're we're good umpires, and you know we do hold companies um, accountable. 
And what we're seeing is Foxconn has made a lot of investment already in the infrastructure in, in their buildings at the site. So the um, tax credits that'll be paid will go back to the year 2020. And so last year, what'd you build? What kind of jobs did you create? Um, Foxconn will be giving us a report on that in the next couple months and we'll verify that using a third party. And then we'll make the tax credit payment to uh, Foxconn later on in the year. And that tax credit payment, if am I reading page six right? The minimum number of jobs is 481, and the maximum is, is about 600 to qualify right, for that right. 29 million. Correct? Right. So if they if they make 600, then they get all of that 29 million. So and they have to make the 481 to get anything. Okay. Uh, excuse me, I, but the 29 million then would count against the 80 million potentially absolutely. out through the next five years. Yeah. Correct. That's absolutely right. Yes. Okay, now back to the chart, back to the glasses. Uh, 40 million, if Foxconn invests 672 million, is that just in the Mount Pleasant campus, ma'am? Yes. Yes, it's okay. for the benefit of the zone. So um, that is what we're going to see capital expenditures within that Mount Pleasant area. I'm trying to reconcile this with the Foxconn statement saying we have already, as a company, invested 900 million. Is and uh, is the 672 new money, or are they allowed to claim some of the 900 they say they've already spent? The 672 goes back to January 1st, 2020. So the that is the the future investment that they're going to be making. The I 900 million, you know, I believe, and you, it really was best, Steve, to ask Foxconn. The 900 million that you see in the um, in the uh, statement. I believe refers to other investments in the state and, you know, is, is demonstrating that Foxconn is here to stay. Yeah, that's my next question. When um, you and I read that Foxconn was going to set up tech centers, I think in the Fox Valley and in Western Wisconsin, and they at one time promised a hundred million to UW-Madison for research. Would those, does this contract re require them to open those tech centers and pay the UW-Madison that a hundred million? We don't get into that with uh, Foxconn. Our role is to talk to them about what are they making as far as um, capital expenditures and creating jobs. And you know, for our other um, dollars that they're spending, whether it's at UW or otherwise, that's for Foxconn to answer those questions. And why wouldn't the state want to make sure that their promises of 100 million to, to Madison and the tech centers and the office uh, building in downtown Milwaukee wasn't part of this deal? Um, you know, Steve, I think it's it's just within what my authority reaches to. And, you know, so I have authority to create tax incentive agreements with companies to help them grow, to get tax credits. And when I go beyond that authority, we things start to get a little crazy. So we're staying with what our authority is, and, and that's um, what our goal was. Our goal was to right-size the previous contract so that it made sense for the taxpayers and for Foxconn. Does this amended contract protect the hundreds of millions that Mount Pleasant and Racine County have either spent or anticipate spending? And if so, how does it protect it, please? So one of the things that was really important as we worked through this negotiation was keeping the locals in mind. And so what we have in our agreement is a requirement that before any tax credits are paid out, 
Foxconn must be in good standing with the locals on their development agreement. So it's that's really important. It's not something that was in the previous agreement, and I'm really pleased that we have that in this agreement. Foxconn was in, in complete agreement that it should be in there um, to make sure that the locals are protected. So the headlines today, potentially 80 million in incentives to Foxconn don't include the hundreds of millions that Foxconn has already received in uh, waiving sales tax on what they bought and the state and local infrastructure developments for, for that campus, correct? Yeah, let me let me just refine a little bit what you just said, which is Please. hundreds of millions in sales tax. It's not my understanding that Foxconn has received hundreds of millions in sales tax credits at this point. Um, I don't know the exact figure, but our calculations were more. This is a that's a, a three to five million dollar benefit, not hundreds of millions. So I just want to Thank be careful careful yes. about that. And Thank then um, the hundreds of millions in infrastructure. Um, let me. Why don't you ask that question again, just so we're we're. Precise. Well, my understanding from reading the uh, the news accounts today is that when Mount Pleasant um, adopts bonding to provide some of the support for the Mount Pleasant campus, if there is a default by Foxconn, the state would have to pay, I believe, 40% of that. Right. Um, it, it does, does that remain in place in, in, in the new contract? Yeah, we call that the moral obligation of the state. Um, and the state is, you know, still protecting the locals that way. And it's important to keep in mind that Foxconn is committed and required to make those property tax payments to the locals. And that's part of our agreement, making sure that Foxconn is being, uh, being true to those requirements before we pay any tax credits to Foxconn. Okay. And you, you also change it in the new agreement, which the board ratified and I saw your signature on, um, the clawback provisions. Can you talk about that, please? So, um, so your uh, listeners understand clawback means if tax credits are paid out, and then uh, the the company, whether it's Foxconn or any of our other companies, don't keep their promises, don't keep those jobs, we can go back and pull those tax credits back from the company. And so we have included um, in the agreement the ability to have 100% clawback if Foxconn doesn't maintain the minimum jobs that they've promised to keep. So if we pay something out, we can go back and 100% bring those back. And that's really important for that accountability piece. And we were able to tighten up some of those requirements from what we had in the original agreement. Another uh, uh, provision in the amendment uh, shortens the length of the contract from 2032 to, I believe, January 1, 2026. Why Why was that a uh, so important to the state, please? Well, it's really important that we have a, a boundary on what our potential liability is. And one of the challenges with the previous agreement where there were um, little, um, uh, there were no little or no caps on the amount of dollars that Foxconn could achieve over 15 years. And so it's important that we are able to really calculate, okay, what's our, what's our potential tax burden that we need to support um, with this company? And so now we have six years 
Um, and that's really critical. It was also important to Foxconn because again, Foxconn is looking for flexibility. They're in a really dynamic marketplace. And so we, we collectively agreed with Foxconn, let's take a little bite here and let's work on some wins. Let's have some success in performance. And you know, we do have a process where you can amend the agreement and we can work through you know, as Foxconn grows, um, hopefully you know, continues to grow in that area, we'll be able to support that growth. Um, in 2017, Wisconsin and I covered a very emotional speech on the floor of the assembly by then Representative Jason Fields. And I remember what he said. He said, I'm voting for this deal because I have been assured that residents of my inner city Milwaukee district will have a chance to work at the Mount Pleasant campus. So here's my question. Is there any provision in the revised amendment that uh, Foxconn must offer outreach, job training, and jobs to the residents of Mr. Fields is no longer in the assembly, but inner city Milwaukee residents. We don't have requirements like that. I will tell you first though, um, I one of the reasons I was able to gain a lot of respect for Foxconn was during the construction, during the work that they've done with Gilbane and other local contractors, they actually did a really terrific job of making sure that they were working with a diverse set of contractors and thinking about ways to get folks onto the site training them and providing um, upskilling for lower skilled workers. So I do, you know, Foxconn has shown dedication to that. Um, we don't have requirements that they reach into inner city Milwaukee for workers, but, you know, with, with a solid salary base, um, we believe that they're going to be providing good opportunities in Southeast Wisconsin for workers down there. And the job incentives, the job credits can't be paid on any Foxconn office workers in downtown Milwaukee. Do I have that right? If they're working, this is a, a tricky language, but for the benefit of the zone. So if they're working to benefit that area of um, Foxconn's operations, then they can be paid uh, tax credits for that. They need to be in Wisconsin. This is something that's important that we have in the agreement that um, we will only be paying tax credits for work that is done in Wisconsin um, by those workers. Okay, now let's look at some of the, uh, uh, the three quotes. From, from officials, and I'm gonna read three quotes because I do wanna ask you about Speaker Voss's quote, but the first is, uh, the governor said, I'm delivering on that campaign promise with an agreement that treats Foxconn like any other business and will save taxpayers 2.77 billion, the number you used, uh, protect the hundreds of millions of dollars in infrastructure investments the state and local communities have already made and ensure there's accountability for creating the jobs promised. So one thing, uh, a follow-up to the, to the governor's quote, are we now in this agreement giving Foxconn the same credits for both jobs created and investments as every other deal uh, the uh, WEDC has done? So what we're doing is we are paying on the same percentage that we paid other companies. So if you look at the Foxconn language, we use the statutory percentages, but we've it's a little complicated, but we've capped the amount of credits that they're able to, to receive. So the, the fundamental question, Steve, is yes, we are endeavoring to treat Foxconn the same as we treat our other companies that we have partnered with on incentive agreements. Thank you. And then the statement from Foxconn, the amended terms um, in the agreement are based on Foxconn's current projections for digital infrastructure hardware projects, products, excuse me, through 2025. Fox, Foxconn is strategically 
positioned within Mount Pleasant to make Wisconsin one of the, if not the, largest manufacturing of data infrastructure hardware in the United States. So my question is, if everything goes right, what what would Foxconn's, what potentially would Foxconn's role be in Wisconsin's economy two, three, and four years from now, please? Well, what you're seeing is a, an investment in what Foxconn's projections are for right now. So Foxconn will be investing 675 or $672 million in capital expenditures. They'll be creating 1,454 jobs. They've given us conservative estimates about what they're planning on. We hope at both uh, WEDC and Foxconn that they will grow beyond that and, and do more. But at the same time, we said, hey, let's let's be conservative and let's just get some wins here and and become the partners that we know we can be. And just to clarify, um, the 672 million is in addition to the 900 million that Foxconn said they've already spent on the Wisconsin project. You know, I, I believe that it is in addition, um, but I don't know how Foxconn was calculating that that 900. So I just want to be cautious not to put words in their mouth. I appreciate that. Okay, the final statement I, I want to ask you about comes from uh, Speaker Voss, a member of the WEDC board. I am happy that Wisconsin and Foxconn were, were, Foxconn were able to come to an updated agreement and glad the company continues to grow in Mount Pleasant. Despite all of the liberal criticism when the initial agreement was passed, this amendment actually gives the company even more financial incentives than the original, uh, than the original deal did. I just want to ask you about that, that last clause. Um, does it give Foxconn, uh, to use the speaker's words, more financial incentives than the original contract? If so, how? The original contract gave Foxconn $2.85 billion worth of incentives, and this contract gives $80 million worth of incentives. But um, one provision, as I read it, is the original contract was with three Foxconn subsidiaries, and this one adds an important fourth, correct? So uh, is there new flexibility when you add a new corporate partner to this deal, FII? Well, you know, uh, uh, corporate um, uh, corporate structures are dynamic things, and what we want to make sure is for the companies that are investing in Wisconsin within an umbrella of, you know, the Foxconn project, that they are able to get credit for that, and we're able to hold them accountable. So it's it's a really important piece, and we do that often to make sure that the right subsidiaries are included in our agreements. And as the governor said, this treats Foxconn in terms of economic development just like all the other deals that uh, WEDC has done over the last few years, correct? That's that's what we say when we when we talk about right-sizing the agreement, when we talk about aligning it with uh, the rest of our agreements, that's what we've done with this deal. Okay, now let's turn to the future. What did WEDC learn about dealing with major, huge international companies as a result of this four-year, I'm going to use the term, dance? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, talks, <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> you know, what I'll say first and foremost is um, I think that special deals are troublesome. I think that, um, you know, we want to we wanna invite any company that wants to be in Wisconsin, that wants to create jobs in Wisconsin, we want to invite them into these conversations and talk about incentivizing them to be here. Um, but to give one deal, uh, you know, one company a very, very special deal compared to others, it sets a precedent. I've had companies say to me, please uh, give us the Foxconn deal. 
give us the, you know, give us the same thing that Foxconn got. And that just really creates difficulties. And, you know, for, for other companies like Milwaukee Tool or Molson Coors that are creating jobs, we want to be able to say, here's what we can offer you. Thank you for considering and doing this in Wisconsin. And we'd love to have you. I can only imagine how your agency has been so focused on uh, a new Foxconn contract that you would welcome the signing going forward. But here's my question. What does the what does getting this resolved free the agency up to focus on over the next 12, 18, 24 months, please? Well, what's really important for me is it gives the opportunity for the rest of Wisconsin to focus on economic development outside of Foxconn. Foxconn has taken up the, and I, you know, not the company, but the topic has taken up um, all of Wisconsin's oxygen when it comes to economic development. And I want to talk about how do we promote development in our rural areas? How do we help our tribal communities really develop diverse economic um, uh, packages and, and you know, um, opportunities in their areas? We have a ton of work to do in the rest of Wisconsin. Um, and so for me, it's really important that we're able to have that conversation. Foxconn was a great way to talk about economic development. It's a great, you know, like, is this what we want to do? You know, do we want to focus a whole lot of our resources on one company or do we want to decentralize that and spread that out? And I think that with the resolution of this and certainly under the governor's leadership and my leadership, the intent is that we're going to look at the rest of the state and understand what we need to do to support economic development, economic recovery in the rest of the state. 13, year, 13 months into a pandemic, um, have urban or rural centers been able to bounce back better or is that a very unfair question? urban versus rural? Yes. I think that's an unfair question. And okay. I think one of the things that we need to think about is to stop drawing a line between urban and rural. And we need to recognize that all of that is really important for the Wisconsin economy. What we saw in the last 13 months is that indeed having rural communities is incredibly important, not only to our economy, but to our mental health, to our ability to get out and go you know, visit places um, safely, to be able to walk in state parks and things like that. So I want to stop talking about uh, I can't even say it, ur urban and rural, and start thinking about the whole state and how we support the whole state. Okay, but I want to use a rural term once more. Uh, excuse me, pardon me. Um, is the biggest need of rural Wisconsin broadband, which is why the governor in his budget announced that, and uh, the federal stimulus money? Is broadband the biggest need of rural Wisconsin? Um, broadband is the, the biggest easily achievable need and, and solvable need of rural Wisconsin. We have housing issues that we need to think about. We have making sure that our kids have access to education facilities and uh, that we have good healthcare facilities and our infrastructure is there. But broadband, we can accomplish. And so that's why it's important and it will help propel us to solving other issues. So let's get broadband done. Again, it's one of those quick wins that I need to be, we need to be thinking about. How do we do that low-hanging fruit, accomplish broadband, and then we can move on to other things? You know what strikes me? Um, in the Great Depression, maybe 2008, 2009, Washington was worried about businesses too big to fail. Wisconsin and the emphasis of WEDC has been on uh, businesses too, too small to fail. Uh, maybe that overstates it, but um, 
how are future federal stimulus funds going to make a difference in, okay, I'll go with your statewide Wisconsin, both rural and urban? Well, you can imagine right now, uh, to, to talk about those small businesses, right now it's April 20th. Tourists are going to be coming back in maybe June 1st, maybe June 15th. When do I hire somebody who's going to be able to serve those tourists? When do I buy more inventory? When do I uh, bring in more food into my restaurant? This is what business owners are struggling with right now. They're trying to call that ball. They're trying to thread the needle. So stimulus dollars, I think, are going to be able to step in and help business owners make that choice. Like, okay, now I can afford to hire somebody. So when those tourists come, when my visitors come, I'll be ready for them. Or I can buy some inventory so I can generate some revenue. So my hope is that we get stimulus dollars out to those small businesses right away so that they can make those decisions and be ready to, you know, gear back up right away when when their visitors are coming, when we're all ready to go walking down Main Street or folks come visit us from Illinois or Minnesota. Okay, we're almost out of time. But last week, the uh, Workforce Development reported an unemployment rate in Wisconsin, 3.8%. The national is 6%. You talk to a lot of these employers. You come from, and I think you're sitting right now in rural in western Wisconsin, is the, is, does the state still have a big, a huge, significant workforce shortage? We have a workforce challenge, absolutely. Um, and the challenge and the opportunity is that we've got workers who are on the sidelines and we've got employers who need those workers. So that's the opportunity. The challenge is getting them off of the sidelines. We can get them off the sidelines by increasing childcare, by getting them the education that they need, by making sure they're healthy enough to get to work. Um, And those are the things that we are focused on, is making sure we can get Wisconsinites off the sidelines and into those job opportunities that we have right now. Okay, and then a final question. Um, Now that there is a a new contract amendment in place, what, if anything, should Wisconsinites be looking for in terms of next developments, developments, plural, with Foxconn? Your thoughts? How can Uh, they see it? I I think that we're going to see Foxconn um, as as a quiet leader in the state. I think that they're going to start having the opportunity to shed some of the the nonsense and be able to really talk about what they are able to do, bring in partners, bring in perhaps others in the supply chain, and really start to help build that momentum towards advanced manufacturing. Wisconsin's business community is incredibly strong. Our manufacturing base is so strong, and we have such an opportunity now with it talk of the infrastructure bill with the bringing home of some manufacturing with the new energy economy there is so much opportunity for wisconsin and we need to we need to grab hold of that and and jump on that wagon and take advantage of it missy hughes ceo of the wisconsin economic development corporation thank you so much and i just want to remind viewers brianna riley and jr ross will be covering this and other news of the week on rewind uh missy hughes thank you so much Thank you, Steve. Really appreciate it. Thanks. This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civics broadcast network, providing gavel-to-gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol. 